Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. And we're back for beautiful uh, sunny slope. <laughs> and we're back for beautiful sunny slope. And we're having fun here with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Got uh, all the lines ringing right now. So if you're already ringing, you know, you're know you going to get on. If not, uh, when one's gone, one will be open. Number to call 602-277-5827-277. KTAR. Rick in Phoenix. Good morning, Rick. Hi, how are you? Excellent, sir. Good. I have a, a young pomegranate tree, a parfianca, I believe it's called. Um, it seems to be producing fruit pretty early. Uh, right now, they're getting to be about the size of tennis balls. Mm-hmm. And I always, this time of year, they just they don't seem to come to fruition. They just dry out and, or they, they break. Is there anything I can do? Do I need to start adding shade or well, fertilizer? I don't really, how, how's the plant growing, Rick? It grows really fine. I mean, it's in... Uh, a mulch bed inside a gravel yard. And how long have you had it planted? Uh, four or five years. And how, how large is it now? Uh, it's probably about five, about five feet tall. So it's, a, it's growing a little slow, really, for a pomegranate. I would expect okay. it to be eight to ten feet or more. So what you want to do is okay. make sure you're real regular with the water. And this time of year, it's especially important for pomegranates because they'll split. So you want to deep water at least once a week. Okay. And uh, you could feed it lightly right now. Pomegranates take heat pretty well, but not too much. I mean, just a light dose of fertilizer. It would have been better to be feeding it a month or two ago. But you could feed it right now and feed it again in the fall. And, you know, most pomegranates aren't going to ripen here before the end of October. It takes some cold weather for them to ripen. And last year was terrible because we stayed warm the whole month of November. And the ones that did make it into nice pomegranates weren't really ready until December. So it takes that cold weather for them to ripen. And the other thing you want to do with pomegranates is you want to make sure you bag the fruit uh, along about September because when the sugar content starts to get high, insects and birds love pomegranates and they'll be invaded. So the easy way to do it is just get the little, you can get a little mesh bag or you can get uh, a paper bag and put over them oh. with a rubber band around okay. it. Okay. Okay. I'll give it a try. If uh, you got a sec, yeah. just uh, get your opinion. What are your favorite uh, fruit trees to help with shade? Well, my favorite fruit tree, hands down, the one we grow the most of are lemons. You know, a lemon lemon tree can get 25 feet tall easily, and uh, it's evergreen, you know, provides a nice canopy, and you get lemons. And lemons you can pick here from September through uh, April, so they have a very long season on them, and they they grow fast. So that's one of my favorites. But uh, there's lots of others. I mean, if you want a really large tree, you can plant a pecan. You know, pecans make a beautiful tree here. Um, I wouldn't put them where you're going to park. They do have a season in the fall where they drip sap because the insects are feeding on them. It doesn't really hurt the tree, but it makes them messy underneath. So you'd want to put them, you know, away from the house and away from patios. But if you wanted a really large, you know, shade tree that was also going to produce fruit, pecans are excellent. Um, You know, and then then you can do all the peaches and stone fruits and all those kind of things, and they'll all grow pretty fast as well. All right. I'll start looking into that. Thank you so much. Main thing, Rick, if you're going to look for stone fruits like peaches, apples, plums, and pears and all those, they should have a Mm -hmm. label on them or else you can look it up on the Internet. And they need 300 hours of chill or less. So anything that's over 300 hours of chill, uh, you you don't want to plant. 
Good to know. All righty. All right. Thank you, Thanks sir. Thanks so much for your time. Bye-bye. Take care. Uh, Sandy in Maricopa. Good morning, Sandy. Good morning. Um, I have a odd question, I guess. I was reading an article about uh, trees and plants absorbing carbon dioxide. Mm-hmm. Do the desert plants do that as well? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and probably one of the most efficient uh, trees in the desert is probably the mesquite tree because of the foliage amount it has, you know, and the capacity to do okay. it. And it's real active season. Uh, you're going to give it more water to do that because you want the tree to get bigger. But as far as sure. their ability to do that, they're fantastic. And as far as their ability to, to cool, you know, they, they can act like a, you know, a big air conditioner running out there outside your yard, too. As they're transpiring yeah. moisture, it's going cool, to cool your yard I as was, well. <laughs> I was trying to justify my increased water use. <laughs> well, you know what? It, it, in increased water use, you know, it's really important to do it correctly. So when we want to increase our water use for a special purpose like that, and, you know, I can see where, you know, water's definitely an issue, especially down where you're at, everywhere in Pinal County, we've really got issues. But um, right. if you'll deep water, okay, and let the trees dry out, but even if you'll deep water once every two weeks on a mesquite tree, uh, it'll be very uh-huh. healthy. But when you water, okay. you want to water deep because that way you lose less water to evaporation, okay? And your trees will root deeper. And if you water deep, you've also pushed the salts away from the root zone. So that's going to okay. be healthier for the tree as well. So, you know, the frequency of water and how we water make a huge difference. And for, you know, yeah. a really healthy variety like a mesquite tree, once every two weeks in the summers is ideal. And uh, But you want to water for a long time. And a big mesquite tree, you might give it a couple hundred gallons of water. But, you know, the benefit that we get you know here in our in our world from having these trees is huge excellent thanks Andy. thank you bye-bye bye uh kim and gilbert good morning kim good morning brian it's good to hear you you're doing god's work saving all the plants out there from all this brown and black summers <laughs> well kim, i guarantee i don't i don't save all of them not even all the ones at my own nurseries <laughs> But you're you're really helping because you can't find all this common sense in books sometimes. Well, you know what? I've had the good fortune of growing up here with a lot of wonderful people. And uh, being able to share thoughts and ideas is what makes America special. And what a great life I think you've had. I have an acre, uh, an irrigated acre in Gilbert that's more weeds than grass anymore. And we've lived on this property for 30 years. And I, I don't know what's coming in through the irrigation canal, but it's not grass. <laughs> so how do I combat it? I've got three miniature horses out there that graze. I can't use any toxin. So I don't know what to do to encourage grass and discourage spurge and whatever else this is. Do you have your little horses? Do you have them in separate groups, separate pastures? We can. Okay. So it's just it's just difficult. We could do it possibly when the weather cools off. Keep mm-hmm. them on a on a graveled uh, area. Well, they don't have to be on a graveled area, but if you could even just you know split up areas so there are different areas. Um, do you have like the really like blue weed growing there at all, or? No, it's like a light green parsley, and there's the spurgy looking. Uh, it's real coarse. Mm-hmm. It grows in tufts. It, it, do you do you just, plant anything for a winter pasture there? 
No. Okay. Well, you know what? What you would probably want to do is it's not much you're going to do right now in the middle of summer. You know, fertilizing yeah. would help. You know, if you want to just go ahead and fertilize, and really what you need is nitrogen. So, like a a twenty one seven fourteen fertilizer. You know, and if you could yeah. pin up your animals right before irrigation, spread the fertilizer and irrigate it in. Uh, you know, yeah. it's going to work well, and it's going to help the Bermuda grass grow. Everything else is going to grow as well. But the Bermuda grass can be very dominant in the summertime. Um, and then what okay. you might want to do is think about using a pre-emergent next year in, like, February and putting a pre-emergent down and irrigating that in a couple of irrigations and keep the, uh, you know, the horses penned up for a little while and, and feed them for, you know, maybe three or four weeks after you do that, maybe two irrigations and um, get an extra irrigation in that time of year to push all that pre-emergent down. That'll stop the seed. If not, you're just going to have an Arizona pasture. And uh, yeah. But as long as you don't have blue weed, I mean, blue weeds always, you know, whenever we had animals around our, we had a pond in South Phoenix, the animals around our pond, that was always the biggest nemesis for me. And that one, we just had to go pull, you know, and it was really tough mm-hmm. to get out. But, but most of those other things, you know, the horses will eat a lot of it. But um, yeah. I, I don't know of any great way to fix it. You know, as far as, as, you know, really changing everything out while the animals yeah. are there, it's going to be kind of hard. Yeah, the pre-emergence is probably something we're going to have to be... Well, you're going to have to be very diligent. You're going to have to go through it, and you want to read all the all the you know restrictions on it for your animals being on yeah. it, that kind of thing. Would be a good idea even to talk with a vet, you know, and, and see what they say. And um, yeah. because there's there's a lot of wonderful vets here. I mean, I can remember at our house we raised deer one time, and we had a little baby deer, and and we ended up bottle raising Aww. it and things. And we had Doctor Hauser came out with it. So one day that the buck decided to gore our little baby deer, you know, and it was the kid's pet. It was like a good, and uh, he came out and sewed it up. And he called me back a week and a half later, and he's like, "Well, Brian, how's Lucky doing?" I said, "Well, Lucky was Lucky. Lucky's running around eating grass like the rest of the deer." And and Doctor Hauser couldn't believe that when it was gored by the other deer with hair all inside it, that it would live. But uh, you know, (laughs) nature's an amazing thing, and Doctor Hauser was a great vet. I don't know if he's retired now or not, but he was pretty phenomenal that day. But no, I I would definitely consult with your vet, and I would definitely you know read the label on any pre-emergent you're going to use. The one thing that's organic that you could use is corn gluten meal. And, uh, mm. you know, it's just ground up corn. And it actually does a fairly good job as a pre-emergent. Not nothing like the synthetic ones do. But it, it can help a lot. Yeah, but if I just keep jihadding it, maybe I'll win. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck. <laughs> Well, thank you. You got, a, you got a whole acre to play with, Kim. So. That's right. I can't wait. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, be be, be careful day. in the heat, Kim. Bye-bye. Oh, you too. Bye. Uh, Mark in Sun City. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Brian. How are you? Excellent. Happy Father's Day. To you as well. Thank you. I'm calling on behalf of my neighbor uh, next door, Planted a couple of ash trees about, unfortunately, about a week and a half ago when it was the first 114, 115 day. Mm-hmm. And they're not looking too good. Okay. Uh, they're getting brown leaves. Uh, he's curious on the best way to water those bad boys. Well, the first um, most important thing is to wrap the trunks from the ground he, to he where the branches the white, are. You put the white paint on okay. there. Then even after you put the white paint on, wrap the trunks. 
Okay. Ooh, okay. And, okay. And, and the best product for that, I think, is, is just a cotton bed sheet, just to get a white bed sheet and cut it to like mm-hmm. a three or four inch strip. And you can staple okay. it if you want to to the bottom of the trunk and run it up to where the branches start and, and okay. seal that trunk off. It's going to give it more insulation, more protection. The paint's like sunblock, you know, and the, the wrap is like a shirt. So it makes a big difference to have more protection. So I would wrap them anyway. Watering them, um, you know, in Sun City, you have fairly heavy clay soil. So you want to water them deep and let them dry out, but you have to keep in mind that that root ball is all organic material and everything on the outside is clay. So the number one most important thing is to put the water right against the trunk. So if he's going to water them with a hose or or drip, don't have the emitters out away from the trunk. Have them right up against the trunk so the water is going right down the root ball. And then he's got... Go ahead. He's got the emitters about two, two to three feet away. Yeah, put, a, put, you know, him right the, put him right on the trunk, and then go yeah. out to where that tree was planted, and make sure that there's no none of that clay on top of the root ball. So you okay. should be able to see the root ball of the tree, you know, the square around whatever it was. But you want to see that root ball of the tree, you know, right there on the surface. Okay, you don't want to have clay over the top of it. In Sun City, you've got gotcha. lots of clay, so you don't want to seal it in like that and it'll suffocate. Would it would it behoove him to do a uh, uh, the hose overnight? You know, and a, uh, maybe a. Uh, eighth or a quarter inch uh, drip, you know. Well, the uh, thing there is, once once your clay is wet on the outside of the root ball of the tree, it's going to stay wet. Okay, but the root ball, the portion of the tree that has all the root mass in it, where it's trying to live from today, it is not going to stay as wet. Okay, and uh, we want to op- we want to open that up on the top to the root ball so gotcha, that it gotcha. gets oxygen back into that root ball, and then we can gotcha. run the drip in there probably two days a week and long enough to fill up whatever size hole was dug for whatever size tree they were. And twice gotcha. a week is the maximum you'd want to water them. But you have to open up you have to open up this root ball, you know, to where it's exposed and put the water right on top of it. Gotcha. Okay. Beautiful. I will let him know. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. Bye-bye. Uh, we're going to take a short break. While we're gone, we got two lines open again. Whoopee! Number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR.
leaving home for good I turned around and there she was again And she said to me history and part of the Lou King Ranger show once here in the Valley. Anyway, welcome back to the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, where we do have two lines available. Number to call 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. John and Glendale, good morning. Hey, how you doing, Brian? Excellent. Hey, I want to talk some pepper stuff with you. Okay. I heard your show yesterday. You were talking about bashes having a good selection of peppers. Mm-hmm. But anyway, pepper, the jalapenos, they just ain't hot as they used to be like 30 years ago. I've heard different stories. Some people say if you grow them in a drought-type uh, conditions where you, they don't get so much water, they'll be hotter. But if you grow them with a lot of water in a rainy weather, they said uh, they ain't so hot that way. So, well, John, you know, there, there's a lot of difference in genetics in peppers, you know, and there, there's, you know, in jalapenos, you can get them in all different, you know, kinds of heat. And of course, now peppers have got, we have the ghost peppers and one's bred just to be super hot. I can remember once when my grandfather and his buddy Jim from across the street walked over and, oh, Brian, you like peppers? And they gave me this little pepper he brought from Vietnam that, man, they, they were just yeah. laughing like crazy and my eyes were water and I was in pain. They, they thought it was the best joke in the world so why well, i did have a wonderful grandfather he could he had, he had he had a joyful streak teasing me at times too but no really with peppers you're going to find out you're going to, for the most part you're going to grow the heat that you plant you know and so it depends on the varieties you like to use and there's a lot of different varieties but i was kind of amazed to see a big pepper field still out in uh, maricopa that uh, when i was out there this last week and they have a big they have a lot of peppers growing there in maricopa yeah, yesterday you, you were saying about uh, Bass had one of the better selections that you know on the grocery stores around. Well, now I got to tell you stuff. something, John. Yesterday I was in Dallas, and that was a recorded program for last year, and so I haven't checked this year. But Bash's is notorious. They've got some connections with uh, the guys over in New Mexico, and they do bring in more peppers than anyone I know, as far as especially the New Mexico peppers. They call them Hatch, but they're not all from Hatch. But anyway, and when they bring those in, they bring in three different heats. Okay, so even right. though they're I'm all in Anaheim or at Hatch Chili, they're not all the same, and there's a huge difference, and it's all genetics, you know, for the most part. I'm, I'm familiar with all three of those flavors that you're talking about on the Hatch in Mexico peppers. You're right there, but as of assortment of on the heat type of peppers, masses don't bring in no hot stuff. Like when it comes to the ghost mm-hmm. and the reapers and the scorpion, they they don't bring them in. No, I, you know, I think that it's almost a risk factor for the grocery stores to bring those in. Um, I, I, I get them from an, I get them from another local grocery chain here in uh-huh. town, and and I can get it whatever I want. 
want. Well, tell everybody who it is, John. We're not we're not, we're not playing favorites here. If, if you got a good location, it, it's Albertson. Okay, Albertson's and it's only a select stores that has them mm-hmm. because they got to be authorized. So not all Albertsons have them, but some Albertsons do have the North Carolina Reapers and the Scorpion and the Ghost. Well, but there's again, they're select stores. Uh huh. Well, I guess, I guess the thing is to talk to your produce department and, and find out. You know, and I got to say the Albertson Safeway Group. You know, they're wonderful supporters of us and our local citrus as well. John, thanks for yeah. the call and have a nice weekend. Uh, next up, we've got uh, Kevin and Waddell. Hello, Kevin. Hey, Brian. Happy Father's Day. To you as well. Hey, quick question for you. I picked up um, a couple kumquat bushes, and I wanted to plant them in some larger plat- or pots, I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was wondering what type of soil I should use in the pot. Well, Kevin, I've grown some in my own patio that we had for years, and we put them in dirt. You know, and just like your regular heavy soil you have out there. And the reason why is because I'm one of those gardeners that doesn't always remember to water and take care of things. And where we had them planted, we didn't have any irrigation. And uh, so I would water when they're wilty or I noticed they needed water. And we kept them there for years and had great results okay. with them. Um, so they'll they'll grow just fine in dirt. They're going to grow slower. But the advantage of potting them in dirt like that is, number one, you're going to use less water. Number two, you're going to use less fertilizer. And, and then going to be easier to care for. They're not going to grow as fast as if you put them in all organic material, but they'll last longer if you're a negligent gardener like me. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we've got uh, Neil and Scottsdale. Hi, Neil. Hi, Brian. I just have a quick question about coffee grounds. Mm-hmm. You talk about coffee grounds quite a bit. All right, what do they do? What do they do is they make the soil more acidic. Okay, so here here in the valley, like right now, our pH of our water is probably coming in over eight on our city water, and that's because this time of year we're using a lot more well water, and when we use a lot more well water, it has a lot more salt in it, and so our pH, whether it's sodium or other salts, uh, is going to be a lot higher, and so what the coffee grounds do is they help to lower the pH, and so ideally for most plants, a pH of seven, which is neutral, is the best. Okay, and by adding coffee grounds. We're constantly helping to lower the pH. Now, whatever we do doesn't stay lowered because we're constantly adding more water. But uh, it's definitely helpful, and they especially are, are very useful on pretty much any kind of plant. But they'll make the most difference on things like gardenias or you know, even a rose bush and anything like that that's going to like a little more acidic soil. How much coffee grounds can you put on a plant? That, Quite a lot. I mean, I mean you, you could take like, you know, the basically the idea of putting even like a half an inch in the whole container if it's a pot, you know, that much coffee grounds is not going to hurt a plant at all. Oh, yeah. Sounds good. Okay. I always wondered about that. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a nice weekend. Happy Father's Day. Bye-bye. Well, it looks like she's back. Patricia Valencia with the news. So we'll be right back with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Live here from KTAR and Sunny Slope. We do have two lines open. The number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR.
favorite songs. He's the reason that U2 is my favorite band. This is our song. Um, I miss him. Uh, he's out having fun right now in beautiful Saratoga Springs, New York, so I hope he's been enjoying time with family and friends. Um, just want you to know, Dad, that I love you and I miss you every day, and that I hope you are enjoying your relaxing Father's Day, and I will call you later. But I love you. Thank you, Julia. Well, it's hard, it's hard to follow up that. But anyway, a beautiful morning out there, folks. We do have one line available. Number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. Tony in North Phoenix. Good morning, Tony. Good morning, Brian. Yes, sir. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. You as well. Um, oh, yeah. Thanks. Um, we have a cabin up in Pine Top Lakeside, and we just had 12 trees cut down that were dead. The arborist recommended for five of our trees that are very tall, they're 80-plus feet, showing signs of bark beetle infestation, that he would service the trees by placing a, um, a seaweed-based fertilizer from Norway and fish emulsion in it, and then spray the trees with the fish emulsion uh, spray to inhibit the bark beetles, all at a cost of $1,500 or so or $1,400. And I'd never heard of this before. Well, why fish emulsion is an absolutely wonderful product, and it's a great fertilizer, and it works well on conifers. Um, it's probably not going to kill the bark beetles. So the thing that you've removed trees really helps the trees out in the future. But the problem with bark beetles is they're very aggressive and very fast-acting. So if you see sawdust on the ground around the, your trunks of your trees, and uh, bark beetles or ips beetles will show up, and you'll see sawdust uh, around the ground, uh, you need to be a lot more proactive than that and probably use a systemic insecticide. Um, you can get that put in with like a Medicap, where you basically drill a little hole in the side of the tree and you put it in. Or you can just place it on the ground around the tree and water it in with like a sprinkler, like those old type little cone sprinklers. Put one of those in and water around the tree. Or hopefully we get, you know, two inches of rain or something happens and takes it down in there. But I would, if it were my trees, I would treat them with systemic insecticide, intermittent based. I would put it on today. I wouldn't wouldn't wait at all, and I would get it up into this tree system because bark beetles go into the bark and they girdle the trunk, and they basically kill the tree that way. And they work very fast, and especially this time of year. And so I would I would well, be proactive they've been, about them. They've been showing this stuff for a while, you know, you know the sap coming out, and um, you know they've been stressed with mm-hmm. the heat and stuff. Where where would I get that systemic? Um, you know, you could buy it probably at most. Uh, I'll tell you, you could probably buy it up there. They may have it. Would be uh, tractor supply. 
Okay. I'm pretty sure Tractor Supply would carry it. Um, if they didn't, um, you know, I could give you some other items. Home Depot might have it, but you want to look for one bare systemic, uh, you know, for trees, and uh, it'll come. You can get different size containers, but uh, you might find it at Lowe's or Home Depot up there or Tractor Supply. I'm not sure if the nurseries carry it, but you know, the thing that's happened, the natural thinning of your trees, the less trees you have, the less density, the more water each tree gets, the healthier they're going to be. So thinning your trees out, you know, even though it's kind of unfortunate when it happens and sometimes you lose favorite ones, you know, if you go through it and thin them anyway, you're going to make your other trees healthier. You know, the less the less trees you have, the less water they take, the healthier they're going to be. And uh, it's really the drought that causes the problems more than anything else and the density of our forest. Okay. Yeah, well, the, the trees we thinned happen to be on the other side of the lot, but mm-hmm. uh, this is out in a area where we park and stuff. So, you know, that may have something to do with it as well. Well, pro- pro- probably not so much, but, you know, if you can have it so that the water is going to perk down in there and, um, you know, so that's why it's good not to have a, you know, hard surface, you know, driveway. If you had it out of, you know, cinders up there, it's probably best, but, or gravel or pavers. Yeah. I mean, all those things work better because they're very porous for the trees, but, you know, extra water right there, even in the driveway areas, if we don't get much rain and, you know, and starting it early, you know, I guess, did, did we, did you get much rain? Were you there yesterday? No, well, we weren't up there yesterday, but I heard it got, you know, like three quarters of an inch mm-hmm. in some spots. But yeah, that's that's what we understand. Which isn't enough. <laughs> well, there's never enough. I mean, but I was up there in the storm last year in Sholo when it was enough, when it rained about four inches in 15 minutes. And I'll tell you what, that was that, right. was, that was one of the hardest rains I've ever seen. It was pretty amazing. Yeah. But, uh, you know, hopefully well, we get more of those. But, yeah, that's that's the real hope for them, though, is more water. And I would, I would probably be treated with a minocloropid. Now, as far as treating them and fertilizing with the fish emulsion project, that's great. You know, the, the pine trees really do like organic nitrogen. And fish emulsion is a great product. There's a, I'm not saying it's not going to be helpful, but it's not going to be as helpful as going through with something that's going to be toxic to those beetles if you're seeing the signs of them right now, and to also at the same time add extra water. So get the systemic, and I guess I can put it into the trunk myself? You can. You know, and there's places to buy it. Well, and you don't have to put it in the trunk. You can actually spread it around the base of the tree and water it in. Does It works the same way. The roots will take it up as well. Okay. Okay. All right. We can go on a water project. All right. All thanks, right. Tony. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, let's see. Next up, we have uh, Sean and Glendale. Hi, Sean. Hey, how's it going? Excellent. Thanks for asking. Hey, I'm planting an orange tree. And I, I want to know the best way to do it. Well, we uh, not, don't plant them too deep. Well, no, you can plant orange trees very well this time of year. Okay, we, we okay. actually end up planting a lot of our groves this time of year because we're always so busy until about now that we don't have the labor to plant them. But um, so you want to dig a hole twice as wide as the container. Okay, where are you located, Sean and Glendale? Glend. Um, Downtown Glendale. Okay. So you have pretty darn good soil in downtown Glendale. I mean, that really is pretty decent soil. So you don't have to go a lot deeper. But if you go five or six inches deeper than the container and the soil that you take out of the tree hole, okay, you want to mix that in a pile beside the hole with one-third organic material and two-thirds of that soil, okay? We want to backfill the bottom of the hole. And it's kind of a good idea to even pre-water the bottom of the hole so we make sure it's not going to be too deep when we put our tree back into it. So 
so we can you know make sure that we're not going to have the tree set too deep in the ground. And then if okay. you're going to plant like a 15 gallon size tree, what you might want to do is take a sharp knife, cut the bottom off the container, okay, stand the tree up in the hole, make sure your soil level stays about the same. You can leave a well where it's a depression down three or four inches, but you don't want to cover up the root ball, okay, and then slip the container up the side. And now before you backfill the hole, just throw your hose in the bottom alongside the tree well, uh, alongside okay. the tree's root ball, okay, and then backfill it with your mixture that's going to be one third organic, two thirds native soil, and the first time water from the bottom up. So turn the hose on from the bottom and let it water so you basically fill up the whole well and you see that well full of water that's going to come from the bottom up. That's going to take out any air pockets that you might have. Okay, so that way all the soil collapses down around the tree. Then you want to make sure that your tree trunk is wrapped to protect it from the sun because citrus trees sunburn just like we would. And if the tree didn't come with one, you could use some cardboard, just a piece of cardboard box. You could use burlap or you could use like just some cotton sheet or a beach towel, you know, something just to wrap the uh, trunk of the tree so it's not hitting the sun directly. And then you want to water it again from the top probably three or four times the first week to make sure your soil is well saturated. And the reason that we use the mixture of soils, because the roots can come out into that mixture soil easier than they can into the native soil. And then after it's been in for about two or three weeks, go ahead and give it a light shot of fertilizer. There's a product called Super Thrive you can buy just about anywhere that is a pretty good transplant vitamin product that you can mix that with water when you plant it as well. And it might get droopy and a little wilty for the first week or two. But uh, planting at this time of year is is fine for citrus. Perfect. All righty. Awesome. All right. Thank you, sir. You have have a wonderful day. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Let's see. Next up we have, looks like, Chenille in Palo Verde. Good morning. Hi. Um, Shailene, I'm calling you today. Uh-huh. Um, I'm calling you about our Australian bottle tree. Okay. Its leaves are turning brown, and it's dropped quite a few leaves, like in a relatively short amount of time. I'm just curious um, what that might be and what I could do for it. How long has it been planted? About three years, a little over. So bottle trees do a lot of dropping this time of year. It's natural for them. And for them oh, to drop okay. up to 30 to 50% of their leaves, you know, in the month of June, it's pretty normal. Okay. This is when they shed. And I wouldn't okay. be too concerned. Don't try to give it a lot of extra water to help it because they don't like to stay real wet. Bottle trees want to okay. get dry in between irrigations. Uh, where, where is Palo Verde? It's about seven miles west of Buckeye. Okay. So, yeah. So out in that area, you're going to have really good soil. And do you have well water? Yes. For the most part, the water out in that area is pretty good as well. So, you yeah. know, that that should work fine for you. But you really don't need to bo- – the maximum watering cycle for a bottle tree is once a week. Okay. And they might, about what I'm doing. And they might even grow faster if you water them once every two weeks. You know, even when we were growing okay. them down in the mesa and Yuma in the sand, my friend Rocky uh-huh. and I had planted some on his father's farm down there. We found that our best irrigation cycle for the summer was once every 20 days. And uh, so water heavy when you water, they have a big root that goes down like a carrot. So make sure when you water, it goes deep. But, you know, even once every two weeks will be fine. If it's 115 every day, then you might want to go to once a week. But, you know, once we get Mm -hmm. this kind of normal pattern going, 106, 108, you know, we get a little humidity in the air, uh, they'll pop Mm -hmm. right back out. They'll they'll grow all new foliage. But this is the time of year when they shed. 
So I don't need to do like a systemic in- insecticide. No, no, or no. no. There's like there, that, there's no insects case. I know of that bother them. The only thing I know that really likes bottle trees are gophers. Oh, okay. So if, could that be uh, happening like down below? Well, yeah. Like, if you have gophers around, they, they they you know their roots mm-hmm. are edible. Their roots are like a big carrot, and they actually taste oh, pretty okay. good. I, I I like eating bottle tree roots, but and so do gophers. Oh. <laughs> but what you'll want to do is trap your gophers and get the gophers away from them because gophers will kill them. Okay, gotcha. All right. Well, thank you very much for your help. You're have a welcome. good day. You too. Bye bye. Thanks. Bye bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got Molly and Prescott Valley. But first, we have to take a short break. We'll be right back with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show here every Sunday from 7 to 9. It's not time to make a change. Just relax. Take it easy. You're still young, that's your fault There's so much you have to know Find a girl, settle down If you want, you can marry Look at me, I am old, but I'm happy I was once like you are now And I know that it's not easy to be calm when you found something going on. But take your time, think a lot. Why think of everything you've got? For you will still be here tomorrow, but your dreams may not. Explain when I do, he turns away again. It's always been the same, same old story. From the moment I could talk, I was ordered to listen. Now there's a way, and I know that I have to go away. I know I have to go. Beautiful Sunday morning. And I want to take a minute to invite you out to Whitfield's Nursery. You know, if you want to give Dad a break, hey, come out and see us. We'll do the digging. You know, we will be open today from 10 to 4 in our three Valley locations. And, hey, if you want to give him a tree, give him a little shade out there. Maybe he likes margaritas. You can, you know, give him a lemon tree or a big shade tree. We can do all the planning and everything for you. So, you know, you don't have to do the work. Dad doesn't have to. Come out and see us. Our original store is at 824 East Glendale. We're in the East Valley at Cooper, which is the same as Stapley and Guadalupe, or 264070 Southern, Southern Avenue, straight south of Sky Harbor Airport. We're open today from 10 to 4, Monday through Saturdays from 8 to 5.30. And during the week, from Monday through Saturday, you can come see us at our big tree farm in Stanfield, Stanfield Road, about a half mile south of Interstate 8. Whitfield Nursery, for four generations, growing trees here for Arizona's future. Uh, let's see, next up, we do have Molly and Prescott. Good morning, Molly. Good morning. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Uh, my question is, um, uh, up here, there's a, uh, there is a restaurant, and they used to have these beautiful trees, 
and uh, somebody else took the uh, uh, a new ownership and they cut the trees down and I never found out the name of the trees what I want what I'm looking for is a tree that won't shed so much leaves in the uh, winter time do you recommend anything well, for evergreens up there, I mean, pretty much when you're at that elevation, most of your evergreens are going to be conifers. So you're going to be looking for some type of a pine or a juniper, you know, Arizona uh-huh. cypress. I mean, all those, all, all the evergreens uh, will do really uh-huh. well. But you've got a couple okay. of very good nurseries there in Prescott and Prescott Valley that uh-huh. uh, they can get, you know, they'll have a lot of trees. They can show you different varieties. And uh, if you go in and see the, the one in Prescott Valley or the, or the guys over in Prescott, either one, uh, they can show uh-huh. you all different types of things to plant there. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know, things like live oaks, which would be evergreen down here in the valley, will tend to grow mm-hmm. dormant up there because of your colder weather. So most of our evergreens that would work here probably wouldn't stay evergreen up there. And you're a little cold on the margins. Are you right in Prescott or where are you located? We're about uh, 25 miles from Prescott. Which direction? Close, close to uh, Mayor. Oh, my mare, down the hill? Well, down the hill, you get more options, okay? So that's going to be a lot of difference. You're there by the Big Bug, you're there by the big bug Creek. Yeah, we, uh-huh, yeah. I, I lived in Mare when I was young for a while. But at any oh, rate, okay. you know, my father was, uh, Jack Blake was Mr. APS, you know, and he was a lineman for APS at that time, and we were in system crews, so we lived in Globe, and we lived in Mare and all these little towns. But, you know, one thing mm-hmm. you might try right in there might be a bay tree, and a bay tree's got beautiful green leaves, okay, and it should be mm-hmm. frost-hardy enough for Mare. And mm-hmm. it also, you can make a lot of sauces and, and use all the leaves to cook things with. But for a medium-sized tree, <laughs> Tree, uh, that would be a beautiful tree for in there. And the live oaks will do much better in Mare than they would up in Prescott. So mm-hmm. there, there's okay. different varieties of live oaks. And uh, and they'll, they may or may not stay evergreen. just depends on how cold the winter is. But they'll, they'll thrive there in Mare. And uh, okay. a lot of years, they will stay evergreen. So there, there's certainly some options on those. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, another question I have for you. Um, my mother-in-law, she lives in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And she throws the eggshells. In the plants. Mm-hmm. What's that for? Well, to get calcium. You know, and, and, really? You know, yeah, you could compost your eggshells. You know, they don't break down very fast, but you could crush uh-huh. them and, and compost them in compost gardens. And, you know, you could use a lot of things in a compost pile. But, you know, using cool. eggs in compost is pretty common. It gives you aeration because of the particle size. It can break down and give you more calcium from the shells. So, it, uh-huh. you know, in the long run, it's a great thing to use in your garden. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I, I thought it was real weird. Anyways, no, no. Uh, <laughs> what part of Mexico does your mother live in? <laughs> she lives in Puerto Vallarta. <laughs> oh, that's a tough life down there. I, I haven't been there for 35 years or 30 years, but it was sure pretty when oh, I was my. there. I'm going to let you yeah. go, Molly, but thanks for calling today. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay, thank you so much. Uh, excuse me, sir. Uh-huh. The, the, the lady that just called uh, just a few minutes ago mm-hmm. from Palo Verde. Right. I was raised there. Were you? <laughs> anyway, I just, it freaked me out when I heard Palo <laughs> Well, you know, it's, Thank you. When, when you look at all the little towns that were once around Buckeye, you know, uh-huh. so she's out by the Palo Verde power plant, you know, and I know exactly where she's yeah. at. But I just, uh-huh. it didn't catch me right away where that was at. But, you know, that's that's a neat area uh-huh. as well. Thank yeah, you, Molly. Okay. Thank you much. Bye-bye. Have a good one. Bye-bye. You too. Uh, well, it looks like we're going to run out of time, folks. And I will take uh, Barbara and Iris and Rowan. I'll take you all off the air. It's a beautiful morning out there. Great time to celebrate with our fathers. And now we get an extra day with the Juneteenth to, to do the whole celebration. You know, there's a lot of things in life that make a difference. But uh, the one thing that makes us easiest to get along with is to 
you know, deal with kindness and love for those with whom we disagree and to always be willing to forgive others. You know, we have to forgive others for all kinds of things and, and for all of our their mistakes and our mistakes. But when we work together as a team, it's what makes America special. And this is a beautiful, wonderful country that, uh, you know, I would live in no other. There's no place like this on Earth. And sometimes we disagree and occasionally we argue and we have differences of opinions. But it's wonderful to be at a place where I can come in here in the studio and be on the air and we can all talk freely about our own dreams and desires and share them. And um, none of us are always right. None of us are always wrong. And I've yet to find a man on this planet I haven't learned from. But I had the most wonderful father, Jack Blake, here. He worked with APS forever, never missed a ball game, had always had time for me. And I had a grandfather that uh, retired from being this big world-famous chef uh, to run the nursery with me as I grew up. And I don't think anybody's ever had an easier time, uh, you know, growing up with, with men that were just wonderful. And, uh, you know, for both of them, my, my grandfather had to work from a very young age, and my father lost his father to mine here in Boreana whenever he was just six years old. But uh, they always made time for me. So let's go out and make time for our families, love each other, forgive each other, and remember that as we work together as a team, we'll always be more successful. Enjoy your Father's Day. Have a nice Juneteenth party. And uh, we'll be back next Sunday with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show here on 92.3 FM KTAR.